All right. Well, if you guys don't know me, my name is Isaac. I get the honor and the privilege to be able to teach um, on occasions where I'm allowed. And uh, today, Roger is uh, feeling under the weather. Uh, so Pastor Roger was going to be here, but I'm here instead. So very excited and uh, very blessed to be able to bring the Word of God. Um, I shared the last time I take this very seriously. Um, I know that by the book of James, book 3, verse 1, it says that teachers will be judged more harshly. Um, so I take with full confidence the responsibility that there is to stand up here and teach God's Word. Um, so before we get started, I want to pray because anytime I get up to teach, I don't want there to be anything of Isaac to get in the way of the Holy Spirit speaking to God's kids. So Father, I thank you. Um, I come before you humble, uh, Lord God, and I thank you that when, when we humble ourselves, uh, that you pour out your grace. And so I pray that tonight, um, as I speak, Lord God, that your grace would be sufficient over the words, that um, it would meet the hearts that need to be met. I pray that you would go forth, uh, Father, and soften the hearts and open the ears of the people who need to hear the specific word that you have. Um, I thank you, and again, I pray that there would be nothing of me that would get in the way, but only you, Holy Spirit, that would speak through. Amen. All right, so tonight, uh, I went with like a fancy title. It is still really like echoey up here. Is there anything I can do about that, or just kind of bear with it? I'm getting, I'm getting, what's that? Move back a little bit? Let's see here. Nope, it's all good. No worries. I'm just being picky. Um, all right, so tonight... Like I said, I went with a, a fancy title, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Um, and it was as I was uh, thinking about um, the word that God had for tonight, um, it actually led me, I, I called uh, and, or text Dave and, and asked him if we could sing that worship song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, uh, right? And that, just that remembrance of when we have our focus on Christ, right, everything else falls away. Um, so... If you all will stand with me for the reading of God's word, I would greatly appreciate it. We are in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We'll read it, and then I'm going to give a little, little bit of a backstory a bit before I dive, dive in. So it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the, all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is this temple, is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, 
Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of our possession, which you have given us to inherit. Our God will not judge them, for he will have no power against this great multitude. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jezeel, and the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Jael, the son of Matanah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of Kohothites and the children of the Karahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they, as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes among the people of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Father, we thank you for your word and pray that it would speak life and truth. Amen. You can sit down. Thank you for standing. I know that was a a lot of reading and I'm not the fastest reader sometimes, but I appreciate you bearing with me. Um, So we're going to start with just a little bit of backstory. I wanted to do you know, um, a little bit of backstory on Jehoshaphat, just because even coming into this, I wasn't fully sure, you know, of lineage, of where he came from, what kind of king he was, all that kind of stuff. And it goes back into either Second Chronicles, like 14 or 15, um, and his father's name was Asa, so Asa, right? King Asa was his father. And it talks about how he became a man that feared God, Right? And he started striking down the poles in Judah and like the idols and the, the things that people worshiped. And so he sought God's face. Right? And he, he went with that and, and things prospered and things were good and the Lord prospered him. And then came along um, the Ethiopian army, right? Millions. They had millions. And they came against him. And he sought the Lord's face and the Lord gave him victory. 
right? They were a smaller force, and the Lord gave him amazing victory. And the odds that, like, looks like it shouldn't happen, like one against 20 kind of odds, you know? And, it, and God saw it through. And then a little bit later on in, in Asa's life, the same thing happened, but it was Jerusalem was coming against, and their king was coming against Judah and trying to build something so that way they would be blocked off, right? And so instead of seeking the Lord again and saying, Lord, help me in this, he goes and he makes a treaty with a Syrian king. And so when he makes his treaty with the Syrian king, then he basically says, I don't trust you, God. And then a prophet comes in and lets him know that now that you've done this and you've shown that you don't trust the Lord, which it came to pass, right? It, it, the, they were successful. He made a, a treaty with a different nation and they were successful in, in stopping the pursuit, right? So he was successful, but in the eyes of the Lord, he was disobedient. And so God was like, there's going to be wars from here on out. Right? And, and for the rest of his days, there were wars, and, and it was interesting because it said the way that he died it, he, is he had a disease in his feet. Literally what it says, he, he had disease in his feet, and he didn't even seek the Lord on that, but he was looking to physicians. So even when he got sick and he was dying, he was just, his heart was turned from the Lord. And so that was Jehoshaphat's father, right? So he saw his dad in, the, in the, the light of seeking the Lord and getting after it, but then he also saw a carnal man making mistakes, right? And so you, you go through and you see even Jehoshaphat, right? He's choosing to be a man that's seeking the Lord. He's telling Judah, he's telling Jerusalem, he's telling everybody, turn to the Lord. And this is in the time where, you know, Ab, uh, Abner, I believe, I'm probably quoting his name wrong. I think it's King, King Abner. One second. Anyhow, the king of Jerusalem, but he, he, made, uh, he went with him to war, even though one of the prophets of the Lord said that he was going to die, right? And so he made a choice to follow what he felt because he wanted to bring Judah and Israel back together, right? He, he, wanted, them, or, um, he wanted them to be united, Judah and Jerusalem. And so he made a choice, right? A wrong one. But then he... Re- repents and turns and, and starts seeking the Lord again. And that's where it lands us where we're at now. Everybody caught up, right? That's King Jehoshaphat. That's who, who we're talking about. So it comes in, right? And he's a man seeking the Lord's face as a king. And we go through and we look through verses one through four, right? And it describes this massive multitude that is coming against him, right? They're surrounding, they're, they're coming after. It said, it happened that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and the others with them besides Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So they're not just coming to like see if they can work something out. Like They came to battle. They came prepared. We talked about this at Boys Bible Study this week about being armored up, being ready to go into battle. They were prepared. So these people who are coming against them are looking for a fight. They're not looking to shake hands. They're looking to destroy them. And so... Jehoshaphat, out of fear, seeks the Lord. So when life hits the fan, right, where do you turn? Jesus talks about not being anxious in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So you seek the Lord. Notice he didn't place his trust, Jehoshaphat, didn't place his trust in his own strength. He didn't try and enlist another nation to come and help him like his father did, but he sought the Lord Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord. 
we can trust in the God who put these words on paper for us, right? We can trust in the Lord with everything that we are. When Jehoshaphat sought the Lord, it says he feared and he, see, he, he went to seek the Lord. In those moments of distress that we have, when, when stuff comes up, when life hits, right? What's the first thing that you run to? Something goes on in your life that you're not expecting or, or the stresses rise up or something hits and then like, what's your go-to, right? What's the first thing that you go to? Some people go to worldly counsel, right? Dr. Phil, right? Other things of that nature. Worldly advice, like how do I do this? I'm struggling with this. This has come up. How do I feel better? Self-help books, right? There's a plethora of those, right? How you can be a better you. What about the people that you see that turn to substances, right? If you're either here or you're listening, right, and you have a couple of drinks to simmer down to hide away from the stresses of life, you think you might lose your job and so you go to the bottle, or you're in a position in your life where you've gone to the bottle so many times that you can't get away from it, so now you're a slave to it. Instead of seeking the Lord, you've sought to numb it out. Matthew 7 7 through 11, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. As a father, I can stand before you and say that I would do everything and anything that I could to provide everything that my kids want and need, right? As a father, I mean, I'm not going to, like, my kids say, you know, I want the moon. I'm not going to be like, I'll get you the moon. But everything that they need, right, and within reason, their wants. But as an earthly father, someone who is carnal, someone who falls short, if I have that kind of heart, how much more of a heart the king of kings who you would seek if you asked would give you. And I'm not talking about if you say, I want a million dollars because that's what I want. God's not going to give you a million dollars just because you want it. But I know that if you're in a circumstance that you can't get out of or you feel like you can't get out of, God's going to make a way for you to get out of it if you seek his face and you ask him for help. If you ask him for peace in your life, if you ask him for joy, if you ask him for the fruit of the Spirit to be evident, he will make a way for you to work out your own salvation through the reading of God's word and holding fast to him as you seek his face. He's faithful. Verse 12 says, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power. Oh, I think I skipped forward. This is my rookie mistake. Um, yeah. So, verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood at the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nation in your hand? And there is no power and might so that no one is able to withstand you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before them in the temple in your presence and cry out to you in the affliction, and will, you will hear and save. And now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade 
when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. So this big lump of scripture here, you know, 5 through 11, to me, it's like Jehoshaphat is not having to remind God because God does not forget. But King Jehoshaphat is reminding himself, right? Reminding himself of who God is, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, who created these covenants with, with Abraham, who said that he would provide for them. So he's reminding himself of the God that he serves, which leads us to verse 12. And it says, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. So even in this verse, Jehoshaphat is saying that we were unable. I, I don't have the strength, but my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you, God, looking to you. There are things that we have in our life that we might feel powerless against. What are some of the things that you might feel like you're power, powerless against that are too great for you, that are going on in you, uh, on the inner workings of you, that you, you're like, Lord, I just can't. Whether it's addictions or trauma from past choices or afflictions, right? Choices that you've made or that people have done to you, those deep wounds that seem like they'll never heal. Somebody that's close to you in your life that's passing away. There's nothing you can do. You feel powerless. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Matthew 14, 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. This is in reference to Peter when he's in the boat. And Jesus is walking on the water. And he says, Lord, if it's you, call out to me. And so the Lord calls out to him, and he jumps out the boat. He's like, I'm out. Boom. Hits the water, has his eyes focused on Christ, and he's walking on water. And then as soon as the circumstances come in, right, life comes in, throws up a flat tire, or it throws up a, a job loss, or a person in your life is, is fatally ill, and so the circumstances rise up, and it gets your eyes, your focus, his focus is off Christ. And what does he do? He starts to sink. Now it goes on in the scripture, and Christ is faithful to grab him and pull him up. He's like, you have little faith. Keep your eyes on Christ. If your eyes stay on your circumstances, you're just going to keep sinking. Verses 13 through 16. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benai, the son of Jael, and the son of Mattiah, and the Levite, and the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. So the spirit of the Lord has come upon the prophet. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and your inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says to the Lord, to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them, and they will surely come up to the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. So the prophet of the Lord is speaking, and he's telling them, you have sought the Lord. You came to the Lord seeking. You have this massive army that's standing against you, and you're seeking the Lord. You're doing the thing that you're supposed to, and the prophet, the one who speaks on behalf of the Lord, is telling them, it's not your fight. God's got this. When we go to the Lord with the things that we have turmoil over in our hearts and in our minds, 
There's no guarantee that God is going to answer your prayer in the way that you want it answered. There's no guarantee that he's going to win your fight in the way that you want it won. A friend of mine said, not all the battles that we have are true battles that the Lord stands on, right? Some of the battles, we just have battles against our flesh. And so it's normal things that we just day in and day out, like things that we need to conquer, right? With the, with the power of the Holy Spirit and the, and, the, and the ushering of him. But there are certain battles that we take on in life that are out of our control, that aren't ours to handle. And so we need to give them to the Lord and we need to trust in him that as we give those things to him, that we will receive the peace from him in the circumstance. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There's so many times that we're in the middle of the storm, and we, we get busy wanting to fix it wanting to do, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? And God's just like, be still. Just stop. Take a breath. Take a moment. Allow God's word to wash over you. Let him answer. It's not in the massive wind. It's not in the fire and it's not in the storm, but it's in the still small voice that we hear the Lord. Be still. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You don't have to understand how he's going to do it or how he's going to bring the peace, but he is faithful to give you peace. I, even in my own life, right, day in and day out, I, I own a company and I have a family. I'm constantly trying to figure out how to, how to be a good husband and a good dad and be able to balance that with, with, with work and everything else. And I have like this stress level that goes up and down, right? And it starts to rise as I think of all these things that I have to do and all these things that I have to accomplish and and all these things, I, 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 and it rises up, and, and then it's like gets to that point, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And the Lord reminds me of how sovereign he is and how he already knows, right? Nothing surprises the Lord. He already knows. And so he just reassures me that it's not up to me, that he's already won my battle. And he reassures in me with that peace, and so my, my level comes down, right? And I get to enjoy like those moments of peace that surpass understanding, Hebrews 13.5 says, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is faithful to stay with us, to be with us, to encourage us in that quiet place. When life around us is trying to kick us in the teeth, Jesus is right there saying, let's go. I got you. Verses 18 through 21. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites of the children of Kohathites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the, the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Sometimes it's good. Just pausing right there real quick. Sometimes it's good to just like let out a great cry, right? I mean, I'm, I'm a a softie, so I mean, I cry tears, but I'm, I'm not talking about tears. I'm talking about like you're driving in your car and you just let out the roar of a lifetime, you know, just rah! Sometimes it's good to just let it out. You think about when they marched around Jericho, right? And they let out a great Shabbat 
a great noise and the walls came down. It's like sometimes he just let out a great noise. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established, and believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. So Jehoshaphat right here, he's talking to them. It's early in the morning, and he's letting them know that we, we can trust in the prophets. We can trust in what we've been told. And what have they been told? They've been told to go out and not fight. They've been told to go out and face an enemy who has come to kick their teeth in, who are armed and ready to do battle, and they're to do nothing. Well, not that they're to do nothing, but they are to be still. They're not to fight. We're going to find out they, they have something that they, they do need to be actively doing. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. So right there we see you need to believe. This can't be grandma's faith. This can't be dad's or mom's faith. This can't be your uncle's or your friend's or the church that you go to on Sunday's faith. This has to be an inward belief, a proclamation. You have to believe in the Lord. Believe in him. Proclaim with your mouth that he has been raised from the dead and repent from the life that you're living and turn to him. So they have to believe in the Lord. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, back up just a little bit. So they're going to go out before the army. So the praise and the worshipers with their tambourines or whatever they're using, they're praising and worshiping. They're not equipped with any kind of armor or swords. They're bringing praise and worship to the Lord, and they're going out before the army in the front. That takes a lot of belief in what the Lord has said through the prophet. The other thing that you can see is that they're not doing this alone. It's not just one man that's amongst them all that's doing it alone. They came together. They're doing it together. As we are all a part of the body, we should be doing it together. They set the example. They believed in the Lord, and they worshiping, and they are worshiping together. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, so when they began, when they started really actively participating in the thing that the Lord had told them to do, not just in a a belief of like a thought, but actively participating in what God had told them to do, it says that the Lord set ambushes among the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to utterly kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So Judah decided to listen. They sought the Lord. He gave them direction. They followed through with it, and they saw victory. We can't be stagnant in our faith. This can't be something that you just leave on your dash and you pull down when you go to church, or collect dust on your bookshelf. This is how you equip yourself. This is how you believe. This is how you seek the Lord. You get into his word. You allow it to wash over you, transform your mind. But you have to participate. Having an active faith is where, where you grow. A stagnant pond stays stagnant. If it doesn't have anything flowing into it, it can't grow. And if it doesn't have anything flowing in and out of it, then it gets nasty. 
it's very easy to allow the circumstances of our lives and the things of this world to cause us to become stagnant in our faith. It's easy. It's easy to get caught up in sin. It's easy to live a life like the world. It's easy. That's why so many people do it. Have you never heard uh, the statement of somebody who is doing something that's super difficult? You're like, man. And their comment is, well, if it was easy, everybody would do it. It's hard. It's hard work to daily. Luke 9.23 says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Your faith is a daily action as you wake up. You make a choice. When your eyes open up for a new day, you make that choice. Make the right one. I'm going to finish off with Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Lord God, I thank you so much for setting the example uh, for us. I thank you that we can look to you. I thank you that we can look to your word. We can hold tight to you. Help our eyes to be turned to you, Father. When nobody's around, when nobody's watching, in those secret places, Father, I pray that you would captivate the hearts of those that need you, which is all of us. Thank you for your word. I pray that it would seep down in our souls. Amen.